0: Hey there. This is Jen Wade part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's to today's message. Thank you, Lord. Uh, you can already feel that you're here with us right now. You might say that that was your presence with us. But thank you that we have the opportunity to to worship you, and Lord, you respond to that. Thank you, Lord, in your name, amen, amen. Bless you, church, if you're not already, you may be seated, wonderful, cheers, Pete. It's going to pop up here for the sake of me walking around and staying still, there we go, lovely. Afternoon, everyone, We all all right? Welcome to the warmest room in Gornal. It is officially not snowing in here right now. It is absolutely roasting. Um, we, don't have the, uh, we don't have the camera this afternoon, I'm afraid. So if anyone is watching or listening on YouTube, you won't be seeing how sweaty I am. Um, and so that's probably a good thing. There's no camera this week. For those of you who don't know me, hello. My name is Ben. Uh, I am one of the leaders here at Springs. And it's uh, my privilege to this afternoon be able to bring um, a word to you, to bring a message to you. And hopefully this afternoon, something that I say might land with us and might help us this week. Maybe God wants to say something to you this afternoon. Um, Pete last week brought an absolutely brilliant introduction to this series entitled Written in Stone. If you haven't already uh, listened to that, go to YouTube or go to uh, every, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Music, and you can listen to Pete's message from last week, which really kind of set up what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks before Easter, take a little break over Easter to talk about Easter and then uh, to continue after that as well. Uh, Pete talked about how perfect Jesus was and that love God and love your neighbor as yourself underpinned everything that Jesus did. So before I launch into uh, to what I want to say this afternoon, let's just pray. Let's just ask God to be with us and, and be ready. Lord, I thank you. As we've just said, you have already been here. Uh, we've already sensed your presence this afternoon, whether we recognize that or not. And um, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be here. Would there be something within us that would speak to us, that, uh, that we would understand that there's, there's more to life than just this, that there's, uh, that there's something out there that can, can help us through everyday life. In your name, amen. Amen. My phone has just buzzed, which means there's probably a score in the Wolves game, so I'm just going to... Uh, Just airplane mode that, I won't give any spoilers away. (laughs) Oh, thanks Phil. (laughs) So why the Ten Commandments? Why why are we talking about the Ten Commandments? Um, A Sunday school teacher was talking about the Ten Commandments with her five and six year olds and was talking about um, what what we should do with our lives and she explained the commandment of honour, honour your mother and father. She said, is there a commandment that teaches us how to treat our brothers and sisters? And one of the boys piped up. Thou shalt not kill. <laughs> why, the, why the Ten Commandments? Well, we're very aware that there's, there's lots of people in the room that may um, or may not know about these things from the Bible. We don't want to assume that anyone has come in and has a full understanding of what the Bible is and how it works and what it means for us today. And so what we want to do is unpack some things that, that maybe we think we should know, but maybe we don't. And maybe sometimes we're a little bit too afraid to ask the questions about because we feel like maybe we should have done it in our RE at school at some point. What we want to unpack today and over the next couple of weeks is what these Ten Commandments mean for us Right now, in 2023, and what did Jesus say about them as well? So first of all, I'm going to read to you from the book of Exodus. It's in chapter 20. Exodus is the second book in the Bible. And I'm going to read from verse 1 down to 6. It says, And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. There's a lot of very scary language and words in there. We're going to spend a little bit of time this afternoon unpacking what that means and and trying to uh, pull down some of the curtains around what that language might mean. But do the Ten Commandments still hold true for us today? I mean, yes, our legal system and our moral system is, is based around these Ten Commandments that we're going to work our way through. And what I just read to you was just the first two of those commandments. And those are the two that we're going to unpack today in a little bit. Do we still have to follow the Old Testament law, is what the Bible says, or rules or guidance? Do we have to follow that if we live under a New Testament grace? So if Jesus forgave us for everything, do we still have to follow all the rules that were written before him? Well, we're going to look in the book of Matthew. It's Matthew 5, verses 17 to 20. Matthew was written by a guy called Matthew. There are clues in the name. And um, this is what Jesus said in chapter 5. Do not think I have come to abolish the law, the guidance from the Old Testament, or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, those were the people who were kind of running synagogues and running, I guess, churches, what we might say in those days, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus was also asked about these commandments. Which one is the greatest one? Which one's the, the most important one? And later on in the book of Matthew, this is what he said. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments commandments. The book of Mark, which is the book after Matthew, has a slightly different take on it. It's got a really interesting phrase at the bottom. This is what it says in Mark 12. The most important one answer, Jesus, is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these, so did Jesus regard these Ten Commandments as important? I think we can say that yes, he probably did. I mean, it says there in that first scripture that we, that we read that not the smallest letter, not a stroke of pen from that law will be removed. Jesus also summarized the Ten Commandments in these, in these two comments. He said, love God and love people. You might have heard us say that a few times before. Jesus was aware that ultimately the standards that God set are too high for, for normal human beings to achieve. The standard that God commands from us is not possible from us who are, the Bible might say, sinful in nature. That means to doing things that are against God. And I don't know about you, but I find myself on a, on a daily basis doing things that I think, hmm, I don't know if that would please God. I don't know if I should have done that. And uh, maybe you find yourself in that boat sometimes as well. And Jesus absolutely knew that and he was absolutely aware of that and so what he did was he put himself upon a cross and and the bible says he did that to atone for the sins of the world and we say atone it means make up for it means that God doesn't see our problems and our sins in a negative way anymore but he sees them in a way that actually draws us towards him and says come here I'll help you I've got something for you Romans 8 puts it like this in verses 2 to 3. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You're set free from messing up on these things. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. What the law was powerless to do was because God knew ultimately we couldn't keep it. There are over 600 laws in the Old Testament and we're not going to unpack all of them now because that would take a very, very, very long time. But um, uh, Jesus knew that ultimately we couldn't live up to this standard and so he came to be um, the sacrifice. Really interesting question to ask. Well, hang on. If there's these 10 commandments and there's 600 commandments In the Old Testament, which ones do we have to still follow today and which ones don't count? um, There's a really interesting YouTube channel called The Bible Project. The Bible Project have been doing, throughout the start of this year, unpicking all of these things. And so if you're like me and you're a bit of a Bible nerd and you want to find out a little bit more about that, there's a set of podcasts you can go and listen to there on The Bible Project. When I was doing a bit of research around this subject, I came across a British pastor from the 60s and 70s called Alan Redpath. This is what Alan Redpath said about the law. The great message of the Christian faith is that we are free from the law's condemnation in order that we may be able to fulfill its obligation by the power of Jesus with him. My obedience, therefore, is not legal, but inspired by love and empowered by God's Holy Spirit. Does New Testament grace allow a lower standard than Old Testament law? The standard under grace is higher. So I just wanted to to set the stall out early doors to say, yes, these Old Testament laws that were given thousands and thousands of years ago, they still stand for us today. Are they something to to beat ourselves up about if we don't manage to achieve them? Definitely not. The Bible says, therefore, there is no condemnation. We just read it in Romans 8. And and we actually understand now that, that Jesus came to fulfill the law not to tear it down. And so the standard that Jesus set is even higher than the Old Testament. But that's not something to tie ourselves in knots about. He is always there every single time we mess up, which I would say is probably daily. I'm going to dig down now into these two first commandments and then next week we'll unpack the third commandment and so on and so forth. So we are in Exodus 20, and this is what it says in verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. See, I love this as an opening because God didn't create a moral code in a way to get a blessing. Let's read what he said there in verse 2. He said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. For those of you who aren't aware of what the Old Testament story looks like, this, these laws were given to a man called Moses. Moses was an Israelite from Israel, but Israel in that time were actually slaves. They were slaves in Egypt. You may have seen the Prince of Egypt movie, um, and that's all about this story in the Old Testament. Um, Moses brought the people out of Egypt. Well, in fact, Moses led them, but God brought them out of Egypt. I love the fact that at the start of the Ten Commandments, God is already reminding them, I have blessed you. Already at the start, he is saying, I have brought you out of slavery. You see, what I tend to do as a parent is I will naturally say, if Caleb says, oh, can we, can we go and draw something? His favorite thing is drawing at the moment. Yeah, of course we can. After you finish your vegetables. The way around that we do it is, is we say, yes, we will do that thing after you've done this. But God does it the other way around. God says, no, look, look what I've done for you. I've brought you out of slavery. In, in, in this book, it's saying I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of the slavery that you were in. And now, look at the freedom I have for you. So already in verse 2, God's already saying that he does it the other way around to the way that people would do it. Verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. That was verses 3 and 4 there. So there's two commandments to unpack this afternoon, and what it would be really easy for me to do is list a bunch of things of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and do do this, do do this, and do do this as well. Might be if you do do do's in there. But um, <laughs> I wanted to, to bring a little bit of sense of the why. Uh, I'm a primary school teacher by trade. I spend my um, 7.30 till 5ish, just in case anyone thinks we only work school hours. Um, looking after kids and teaching them and trying to inspire them in, in the ways of, of life. And what, one of the things I do on the first day when I get my new class um, is we make a set of class rules. Now, obviously, there are the school rules. Like, if you punch somebody, you're going to have to go and be excluded. Or if you mess up in the toilets, we're going to have to send somebody with you to escort you to the toilets. Did anyone, was anyone naughty at school and had to be escorted to the toilet? I've got one honest person in here. <laughs> the, um, but the, the class rules, that, the class rules that, that I like to make are a little bit more around the conduct we have in my room. So I'll say one of the ones we've got this year is discussion is good. Uh, another one that we've got is we don't have to be everybody's best friend but we do have to be everybody's friend. We do have to be kind as a choice always. And, and so we go through these things at the start of the year not because I need extra rules but because I want to bring a sense of identity to the room, a sense of identity to the children that are going to be with me for a full year, we're, when, when we're in this room, this is how we behave and this is what we do and this is why we behave in that way. It brings a sense of identity, a sense of togetherness. We're, we're a team in my room. So if someone's struggling with something, I know I've got three children that could go and help that person straight away. It doesn't all depend upon me. teacher. So, you shall not have other gods before him. You shall not make an image of other gods. If there's lots of you shall not, how about uh, a you shall? You shall have an identity rooted in your love for God. If it says you shall not make images of other gods, you shall not worship other gods, the you shall is you shall have an identity rooted in your love for God. Let's talk about this slavery thing that Israel went through for a minute, because Israel was in the middle of an identity crisis. Israel had been in slavery for many, many, many years, and these laws were given to Israel about three months after they came out of captivity. I don't know how many major life changes you've been through, but I would say three months is about the time it takes to settle down. When we moved house, it was three months until all of the boxes had finally been unpacked. Um, When we had our first child, Caleb, and our second child, Evie, uh, it was about three months before we felt like we could actually get dressed and leave the house at an appropriate time. Three months is about the time it takes to, to bed in, I would suggest. Israel had been in slavery in Egypt, so their identity had been stripped down. They had been made to serve the Egyptians They'd been made to worship Egyptian gods. They had been made to to worship Egypt's political agenda, uh, building new cities and new palaces. So when God redeems his people, he takes them out of the middle of nowhere where they've got no land and no social identity. What's God trying to do here? Here, he's giving commandments to remake the people. He's giving commandments That the laws represent the way that Israel's communal identity, story, their values are going to be reshaped. They're going to be remolded. And so when God gives these commandments, it's not about simulating moral perfection. It's not about a list of rules that you've got to follow. But what it is about is about creating a lifestyle that reflects God's image. It isn't about making... God happy it's about showing everybody what this looks like what does living in the image of God look like you see the book of Genesis says that there was already there is already an image of God on this earth it says in Genesis 1 the first chapter of the Bible so God created mankind in his own image in the image of God he created them male and female he created them so there is already an image of God within this earth and so what God was trying to do was create an identity that reflected that appropriately. You've been taken out of slavery. You've been taken away from the things that you were having to worship and having to do. And you were forced to do this. But now, this is how we're going to be. This is what we're going to do altogether. The Ten Commandments are about bringing identity. Both by preserving the sanctity of his own worship. And the responsibility that humans have to bear His image. So, when humans, when we make idols or worship things that aren't God, we're not only investing our time in created things where the reverence and the glory should belong to God. We're robbing ourselves of our own dignity as His image bearers. When I say this word, idol, that's been thrown about a few times. I did actually talk about this a little bit two weeks um, prior. But... um, the word, the word idol may mean something in the way of God. It could be anything within your life. Maybe um, a job, maybe your finances, maybe a relationship, maybe a computer game, <laughs> maybe something as silly as the way that you spend your leisure time. But if there's something in your life where you're giving the glory to that instead of God, the Bible would say that is not a good thing for you it would say that that doesn't reflect the image and identity that God has for you in your life. So when it says, have no other gods before me, a more literal translation would actually say, no other gods to my face. The the Bible wasn't originally written in English. Uh, The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew and the New Testament in Greek. And we've had translations of that over many years. And our language, um, our language is very much a language of phrases. And so instead of saying, I'm angry, I would say, oh, I'm seeing red. Oh, I'm absolutely raging. We add phrases in, in, in English to create new meanings. Whereas in the Old Testament and the New Testament, one word could have so many different meanings. And it was so much richer in terms of words. And so if this actually means no other gods to my face, well... Last time I checked, God is everywhere. (laughs) So I think everywhere would be to his face. This means God demands more than just to be added to our lives. We don't just add Jesus into a life we already have. We give him our lives. We give him everything, our all. Jesus said this in Matthew 16. Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. So if the Old Testament standard was do not make idols of another God, the New Testament standard is give me your life. What about the second part of this the, these, two, these two commandments. I only said ten. I'm not doing all ten today. The, uh, the second commandment that we're looking at this afternoon is a bit tricky. This is where some of the difficult language comes in. I want to maybe help us understand this a little bit this afternoon. Exodus 20, verses 4 to 6. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven or above, or on the earth below, or in the uh, earth beneath, or in the waters below. In other words, don't create pictures and images of things that are probably not true or helpful. Did you notice every slide today has got a little picture of Jesus somehow? What the Bible is saying is stained glass windows are wonderful. We don't need to go and throw bricks through any stained glass windows, please. We're not talking about those sorts of things. What we are saying is if there is an image or a thing in your life that is taking worship away from God, that is not a good thing. And then let's read this little bit here, this tricky bit. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Um, Just to flick back to images of Jesus, one of my, it might be a personal thing, one of my bugbears in my Christian life is that I have an unhelpful image of what Jesus actually looked like. In my own brain, because of the the books I read maybe as a kid, Jesus was a white guy with long brown hair and a big long beard, and Jesus looked quite handsome, as the Bible actually says, that he was nothing extraordinary to look at, and he was, well, he was from the Middle East, so he wouldn't have looked anything like you or I, or or he wouldn't have looked white in any way at all, and uh, Jesus would have been, he was a refugee from Egypt early on in his life, and so... Sometimes the images of Jesus that we actually have can be unhelpful in unpicking what that might mean for us um, today. But I don't want to go into that too much because John 4 verse 24 says, God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. So when we're worshipping God and we're worshipping Jesus, we're not worshipping a picture. We're not worshipping an image. We are worshipping in spirit, the Bible says. But verse 5 and verse 6 of that verse, where it talks about God being a jealous God, that's a bit sticky. That's a bit tricky. Because if you actually know the other Ten Commandments, spoiler alert for Lindsay's message when she does this one in April, I think it is, Lindsay. I did write it down. 30th of April are doing this one? Um, One of the Ten Commandments is do not be jealous. (laughs) It says do not covet, do not um, want other people's things, So how does that marry up? If this verse is saying God is a jealous God, and then five verses later it says don't be jealous, what are we talking about? Well, again, I'm coming back to that thing of um, we work in phrases, whereas the Bible worked in individual words at the time. And so the specific word used here in verse 5 when it says, I am a jealous God, it's actually talking about something called sanctified jealousy. Sanctified jealousy. A better translation would be, zealous love. Zealous meaning passionate love. Zealous means showing great energy or enthusiasm for a thing. Whereas jealousy, when it's talked about later on in that same uh, passage, is actually talking about wanting or desiring or coveting other people's things, their lives, their relationships, wanting other people's things and comparing ourselves to them. God has nothing to compare himself to. He is God. And so when he says he is a jealous God, he doesn't mean jealousy like we understand it. He means that he is so passionately in love with you that he can't stand it if you're not there with him as well. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11 verses 2 to 3 talks about this as well. So this is written by a guy called Paul. Um, and he in the, in, has an incredible story in the New Testament. Ended up writing the majority of the New Testament. But this is what it says about this godly jealousy. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Jealousy. I am promised you to one husband to Christ. I have promised you to one husband to Christ. Maybe that's a bit tricky to get our, to get our minds around today. But the message version said this. This is a, a paraphrase of the same verse. The thing that has me so upset is I care about you so much. This passion of God burning inside of me. That is a really great way to think about the way that God is jealous of you. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. The thing that has me so upset is that I care about you so much. This is the passion of God burning inside of me. You see, the heart of these two commandments is not behavior modification. Jesus is not after you changing your behavior. What he is after is to bring an identity and a purpose to our lives. So, yeah, the two commandments say do not have idols, do not create an image that is, that is of another God. I think we can probably think about in our own lives, is there anything that's getting in the way? of our relationship with God? Are there any idols that we may have? Things that take up our time, things that take up our money, things that take up our thinking space. But I wonder if it's actually more than that. If it's actually God is after more than just a behavioral code here. He wants to bring you a sense of identity and purpose and a way to live your life that is fulfilling. To love God above all else in our lives. That's the heart of these two commandments. Love God above all else in our lives. This is our primary identity. To be beings that belong to him. To be beings that love him. And therefore we reflect his image out into the world. 1 John 4 verses 15 to 16. There's a couple of verses here that are going to come up together. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Luke 4 verse 8, Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then two beautiful phrases from Psalms that kind of help us to think about what this love might look like. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. And then the the old classic hymn that we used to sing when I was a kid. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. 1 John 5, verse 2 to 5. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. His commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world there's no need to beat yourself up if we don't match the standard this is the victory that has overcome the world even our faith who is it that's overcome the world only the one that believes jesus is the son of god so if the world is full of distractions how can we live up to this standard how can we try and fulfill these commands how can we love god above all else As I bring this into land, I would suggest that that probably looks different for each one of us. The way that that you love God might look different to the way that that I do. What I do know is that a continued, a long-lasting love is a choice. Feelings fleet away. Feelings and emotions are not good masters. You may think about it as um, a spark that starts a fire. But that fire to be sustained will need to be topped up with fuel to keep burning. And that is a choice. And so I do believe it would be, it'd be remiss of me to give you a list of things that we've got to go and do. Because that's not the heart of the Ten Commandments. The heart would be love God above all else. Is loving God your daily choice? Every day we need to choose God. Jesus, uh, in the book of Luke, verse chapter 22, at a time of really high anxiety for him, he knew that he was going to be put on the cross. Uh, Jesus cried out these words, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. I don't want to go and do this. And yet he says, probably one of the most powerful verses in the Bible, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus knew that at that very moment, he was, he was going to be taken across to be to be crucified an incredibly painful death but what Jesus said in that moment is not my will but yours what a wonderful thing that at that moment Jesus chose he chose to follow God and so that would be my prayer for us as I bring this into land right now and and we're going to have the band come up and maybe we need to think about a little bit of what our Idols may be, if we need to take some time to ourselves, is there anything that's in our lives that is in the way? But if you take one thing away from this afternoon, what I would love for that to be is that the Ten Commandments are not about behavior modification, but they're a bit about bringing us a sense of identity and purpose in our lives. John 15 verses, uh, John 14 verses 15 to 17, "If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father. And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and he will be with you. The Holy Spirit is here right now to help us with our lives. To help us keep these commands so that our identity is rooted in God. It's not about trying to change people's behavior from the outside in But it's about God changing us from the inside out. So we're going to have a time in a moment, in time right now, where we're going to hear some songs and sing some songs. Maybe in this time you don't want to sing a song. Maybe you just want to take a moment to reflect upon something that God said to you this afternoon. Maybe God's been tugging at you to say, this is in the way. This thing in your life is in the way of me and you, and I want to remove it. I believe God wants to remove those things right now. But he also wants to take away any sense of guilt that we can't reach this standard. And what he wants to bring us is a sense of identity and purpose. So I'm going to pray two prayers to close. The first prayer is uh, for anyone in the room that maybe feels like something's connected this afternoon. Maybe there is an idol in your life. There is something that God wants to pull down. Maybe you've struggled with this sense of guilt and God wants to remove that this afternoon as well. So I'm going to pray that prayer first. And then I'm going to pray a second prayer. And this second prayer is maybe for someone who, maybe you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Um, maybe at the moment you're thinking that you would like to make that decision. Maybe you, you want to say a prayer to welcome God into your life. And so that was going to be the second prayer that I'm going to pray. Maybe just have a think about if that's for you right now. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you did not make a list of rules for us to have a guilt trip over. You didn't make a list of things that we have to follow and have to obey, otherwise we're not good people. No, what you did was you paid for all of that on the cross and then you said, come to me. Lord, I thank you that there is no condemnation in you, there is no guilt, but Lord, right now, if there is something in our hearts that's in the way Lord, I pray right now that that you would help us remove that. Would you help us, Lord, identify what that thing is that maybe is in between us and you? I believe right now that thing can be taken down by the power of God. In your name. Amen. And as we keep our heads bowed and we keep our eyes closed, I'm going to pray a prayer for someone this afternoon who wants to commit their life... To Jesus, to accept Jesus, to to welcome Him into their heart. At the end of the prayer, I'm going to ask you to do something really brave. So, at the end of the prayer, if everyone's eyes are still closed and their heads are still bowed, I would just ask that if you say this prayer, could you look up and make eye contact with me? We don't want to make a big scene of it. We don't want to. We don't want to embarrass you. But at the end, I'd love to just come and uh, come and say hello to you and give you a Bible and maybe talk about what that meant for you. So we're going to pray this this prayer right now dear Lord Jesus I'm sorry for the things that I've done that were against you maybe I knew they were against you and maybe I just didn't know that that was not what you wanted for me I'm sorry about that Lord Lord please come and help me come and live in my life come and save me from an eternity without you and bring me into an eternity with you Lord, thank you that because you ask, because because I ask, you're able to come and help me. Thank you that you are the Lord God Almighty. Amen. If everyone keeps their head bowed for another second or two, I would just ask if anyone prayed that prayer, um, would you just look up and make eye contact with me? I'd love to come and have a chat at the end. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Hey church, let's spend a bit of time responding to God. Maybe there's something in your heart that um, that you know you need to remove or you need to pray about. We're gonna have a chance to sing some songs, but let's let's reflect upon what's been said this afternoon, eh? Bless you. Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for Past Preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus. We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.